The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. There's many different lenses that we could look at this scripture through, but the lens we're going to look through is that of blessing. So I want to ask you, what do you think of when you hear the word blessing? For some of us, it might be, well, it's the thing that we say before we eat, or it's a blessing when I know I can recognize God's hand of protection or providence on me, or, or maybe more generally speaking, when something good happens, we say, what a blessing. So for example, Kathy, two weeks ago, she made me this really nice COVID mask, and it's got all my Marvel characters on front, and she said, hey, and I know you're a pastor, sometimes you need to be more serious, so it's got a nice side to it. That's a blessing to me. She blessed me with that. But in my life, I've come to understand that a blessing is anything that helps me draw closer to God. So whether it's pleasant or whether it's hard, it's my perspective in what I enter into. And if it helps me get closer to God, that's a blessing. But in today's passage, we're not talking about blessing in that way so much. We're talking about people bestowing a blessing. Jacob bestowing a blessing on his children. So in that sense, what we're going to say is in the Old Testament, a blessing is often a solemn, a solemn, deliberate act through which specific and concrete advantages are conveyed. So this is a purposeful uh, act of blessing someone's children to say, I say this with the intention that this will take place. And in today's passage, what we need to know again is that this is a description of what actually happened. It's not prescribing how we should do things. Uh, Jacob did something that we can't do in the same way. He, he, did what was, he gave what's called a, a prophetic blessing on his children. Verse 1 says, Then Jacob called his sons, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the days to come. Now, as parents, you may wish that you can direct your kids' lives, but you don't have that kind of ability. And here's saying, I'm going to tell you what God has planned for you as I bless you. And so we're going to be thinking about what it means in this prophetic blessing of Jacob to Joseph and all his sons. What was God's intent in helping us understand the gospel message through these chapters. So the first thing we want to talk about is that Joseph, and we're specifically going to be thinking about Joseph and him being blessed, but Joseph was blessed by his father. At the end of chapter 47, we learn that Jacob is dying. He's not doing well. Joseph went to go see him. And Jacob said, you need to promise me that when I die, you don't bury me in Egypt. You take me back to the land of Abraham, Isaac. You take me back to Canaan. And so Joseph promised him that. And then in the start of 48, we hear that Joseph hears the news that his father's ill. So some time has passed in between them. And he comes and he sees his dad. And, the first thing, and he brings his two sons with him. But the first thing he hears his father say to him is that God Almighty appeared to me and he blessed me. The most important thing and the first thing on Jacob's heart when he sees his son Joseph is you need to know that I have been blessed by God. That God in his grace has a plan and, and had a purpose through my life and it's going to continue through you and your children. That was the core of what was happening in Jacob's heart. Is you, you need to know that. And then he says, oh he notices that that Joseph has his two sons, and he says, who are these? It's not that he couldn't see them, although he's losing his eyesight. From what we understand, this is the beginning of a, of a ceremony now of blessing. And he says, who is this? Just like you say when, a, when we have a wedding, who gives this woman to be this man's husband? 
and the parents say, we do. It's just a formal start of a blessing. Who are these? And these are my children, Manasseh and Ephraim. Bring them close to me. So Joseph comes and he puts Manasseh by Jacob's right hand because that's the blessing for the first son, the son who will receive the, the double portion of all the other sons. He's going to be like the leader of the tribe. And Ephraim he puts to his left. And when Jacob blesses, he does something different, and he, he crosses his hands over like this. And in fact, he makes Ephraim the, the firstborn, the privilege of the firstborn, and Manasseh like another son. And Joseph gets a little bit distraught with that. He says, Dad, you're doing it wrong. You don't understand. He goes, I understand fully. This is what God wants done. And from that, what we understand is that a blessing, the most important thing we can understand about this type of a blessing, when a blessing is bestowed upon someone else, is that the blessing begins with God, it ends with God, and it's all in between controlled by God. Those weren't just Jacob's arbitrary decisions. Those are the things that him, led by God, said, do this. Because Ephraim, he's going to have the rights of the firstborn. It wasn't just Jacob's choice. God has control. And we need to understand this about blessings, that when we think about a source of blessing, the blessing starts with our Heavenly Father. It's meant to come from our Heavenly Father to our earthly fathers and then down to the children. Okay, so again, this is a unique story with Jacob, but for all of us in our lives, there's a purpose that we have that we can bless others. And unfortunately, in our society, we haven't grown up really with the idea of blessing, especially blessing children in an in intentional way. And so it's almost sometimes like the earthly father in our culture has been taken out of that process of a specific blessing. At least for me, I was made aware of this in 1999. I took a, a course called Counseling Men's Issues, and I remember the first question that we were asked was, uh, when did you know that you became a man? There was a variety of answers. Some people said, I guess when I got my driver's license or uh, when I was able to vote. Some people said, well, in the eyes of the world, it might be when you have sex. And then at the end of the day, it all came to be that, no, you're a man when your father tells you you're a man. When your heavenly father tells you you're a man and when your earthly father tells you you're a man. And most of us haven't had that experience. And, and so this was a, a long course. Like This was over a couple of months that we talked about things. And at the end of it, he said, you know, for those of you who have the opportunity, I go talk with your fathers or another man of influence in your life, and I'd ask you to ask them to bless you with the blessing of God. And I can tell you, man, I was a little bit nervous going to my dad, because I know he loves me, but we've never had this kind of conversation. And I, I talked with him about it, and I said, I can even give you a script. He goes, I don't need that. Give me some time. I'll, I'll think about what to say. But from that, I got two things that are hugely important to me, and I have these on my wall at, in my office. I had it for about 10 years on my wall, and this one just says, A Declaration and Blessing of Manhood. Doug Friesen, you are made in the image and likeness of God. And the Declaration and Blessing of Sonship. Doug Friesen, you are my son, whom I love, and whom I am well pleased. Somehow, in our society, I think we need to regain the value of the earthly father, earthly parents blessing their children. And we can't speak prophecy over our children, but we can speak God's promises and God's truth. 
And, and I think for Joseph, or for Jacob, this was probably the highlight of his life. I remember him saying, oh, Joseph, I never thought I'd see you again, and now I see you and your children. This is so wonderful for me. And we know that the author of Hebrews, when he was writing about the Hall of Faith, he pinpointed this very episode, this very experience as being the, the reason why Jacob should be in that Hall of Fame. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Out of all the stories that we've heard about Jacob, this is the one that the author of Hebrews says, this is the pinnacle of his faith. Part of it was blessing his sons, but part of it was also that Jacob actually worshiped God. Jacob had a hard time worshiping God. He, he didn't find it easy. Even with all his experiences, he often just wanted to wander away from God. God in his grace would bring him back, but he'd just wander away. Even, even recently, 17 years before this, when he first meets Pharaoh and Pharaoh asks about him, this is what he says, and Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Listen to this. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their sojournings. He's 130. He's had all these wonderful experiences with God, and he says, few and evil are the days of my life. And now, we hear him bless his grandsons by saying this, and he blessed Joseph and said, he blessed Joseph, he blessed his sons, and he said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life, all of the day long, this angel has redeemed me from all evil. Bless these boys and in them let my name be carried on, the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Do you see how something really beautiful happened and the Bible doesn't really tell us exactly what took place, but somewhere from 17 years ago when he talked to Pharaoh to today, he was able to say, the God who is my shepherd all the days of my life. Something had happened between 130 and 147 that made him say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We credit David as being the one who gives us Psalm 23, and rightfully so, the Lord is my shepherd, but Jacob is the first one who gives us that imagery. What a beautiful thing, and the Bible tells us nothing about how his heart changed over that time. It just said he did. Don't think for a moment that there's never a time that your heart can't get warm towards God. Maybe there's a cold season, maybe there's a trying season, but God's desire for you is to know his love and to love him in return and to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What a blessing to receive from your father. And when you know that God is faithful to you, that that's just his character, it makes it possible for us to be faithful to him. That's another thing we learn through this portion of scripture is that Jacob was blessed in his faithfulness. When you hear his faithfulness, well that could be, do you mean that, sorry, Joseph was blessed in God's faithfulness or Joseph was blessed because he was faithful? And the answer is both. But things start with God. God is faithful to us and when we live in his faithfulness, we experience more 
of his faithfulness. We're one with our Savior. Not perfectly so yet, because sin is something we still struggle with, but when our life goes in Christ, we are in Christ. And so part of the blessing is to experience God's faithfulness by having a heart that wants to be faithful to him. Now think of the life of Joseph, the persevering faith that he had. Think about how he was treated when he was younger, his experience with Potiphar's wife, his experience in the prison meeting the cupbearer and then being forgotten. And most of all, when he was really young, the ways that his brothers treated him. The the Bible tells us that his brothers were like archers that were evil and they attacked him and they shot at him. They were hostile towards him. But then we read these beautiful words, yet Joseph's bow remained steady and his strong arms were made agile. The picture is this. He's been shot at by his siblings. They've wanted to kill him. Now he's in a place where he was not harmed and he's in a position of power and he pulls back this bow. And he has it. He has it aimed at them. He could let go and they would be punished. He would have revenge. But he holds it. And that's a very hard thing to do when something's so tauntly that your hand would start shaking like this. But it says he held it steady because the mercy of God was flowing through him. He was able to be merciful to his brothers, to forgive his brothers. The message that we could possibly have from that is keep your bow steady. Even when it's in your ability to take revenge, keep your bow steady, don't shoot that bow. But heaven forbid that we think it's because of our ability or our strength, our willpower. Jacob in his blessings to Joseph says, remember that you did this because the, the mighty hand of Jacob was on you, the shepherd, the rock of Israel, that it is the God of your fathers, it's the Almighty who will bless you that has given you the strength to not let go. We need to remember in everything we do that our strength, as Joseph's strength, is meant to come from the power of God. Your strength is not your own. We live in a culture where we know all the right things to do and it's very easy in our own willpower to try to do things and ask for God's blessing on it, but it's still quite different and we can know the experience is quite different because we might be just drained, depleted, depressed. But when we rely on God's power, he allows us to do things in him that we could never do on our own. Other people might misunderstand what's happening, but we know to the core of our being that what just happened was a miracle. It was God doing that in me, through me. It was God who deserves the credit. And the reason you know that's happening in our lives, we're thinking properly, is the only proper response from that is to be humbled. Lovingly humbled. Lord, who am I? I would have, I would have just wanted to let go of that bow and I would have been wanting to shoot multiple arrows. But you allowed me to see that mercy is greater than revenge. And I trust in you. Lord, you are faithful. You will do what you want done in your timing, in your way. You are faithful. You are good. I trust in you. Now, that's ideally what happens if we live in the faithfulness of God. But looking at the life of Jacob and his sons, we see a lot of unfaithfulness. We see with his 12 children, a lot of the story is not very positive. Think of Reuben, who slept with his father's concubine. Think of Simeon and Levi, who slaughtered a whole town of Shechem. And 
just so you understand, if you were to read all of 49 and you read about Reuben, you'd see he lost the right of being a firstborn. Simeon and Levi didn't have property like all the other sons were given. They were kind of scattered throughout the nations. The point is, actions do have consequences. Forgiveness and consequences are not mutually exclusive. You can be forgiven of your sin, but there's still a consequence to pay for what was done. Sometimes there's a consequence and sometimes there's actually more discipline because God's a heavenly father and he disciplines us so that we might draw near to him and not wander again. That's part of what we realize if you read through the, the, the blessings, the things that Jacob said to his sons, there's, there's consequences to your actions. We see this in also Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, where we read these words. I've got to find them here for myself. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So, let's be reminded that it's very important the choices that we make. Praise God, no matter what's happened in my past, I can always experience the forgiveness and grace of God. But don't think for a moment that your choices in the past won't impact the present and they won't impact the future. Now, Satan would want you to think, all that stuff in the past, just forget it. Just try to hide it. I know you've been forgiven, but just don't ever think about it again. That's the best way to get past it. And God will say, heaven forbid, that could be the greatest triumph of your life because you can see my grace shower that. You're ashamed of it. You did wrong. Yes, you did. But that shows how graceful I am. That shows why you need mercy. Oh, Doug, if only people could see how you've fallen and how my grace has covered you. That's the message that people need to know. That's Almost the bulk of the Bible is seeing people, stories, and say, look how they wandered, and look how God was faithful. Look how they sinned, and look how God forgave. So don't think that your past is, if you're ashamed of it, just say, Lord, whatever happens, I want you to use my past to glorify you. Because there is nothing that God can't use in your life to glorify him and bless others. Thank the Lord that Elaine shared what she did today. She didn't need to share that, but she chose to. Does that not stir your heart to say, look at what God did in her life. God can do that in mine. God can do that in the life of someone else I love who's just going down the wrong path. He's a God who can turn things around. Not just turn things around, he can transform. He can take things that were dead and bring them to life. Old make them new. God is just amazing, and we're blessed to know him, and we need to enter into him more and more each day. Jacob says to his children, he says, what, <clears throat> this is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with a blessing that was suitable for them. So what a beautiful thing, that God knows us, and he knows the blessing that's suitable for us. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, there's no reason to think that they were lost, that God didn't love them. They were still part of the 12 tribes of Israel. That tells to me that they were still restored in their relationship with God, that there was hope and a future for them, even though there was consequences. But when we hear the word consequences, we often just kind of think about the, 
the negative things, negative consequences, but there's also positive consequences. And when we live lives that are faithful, the reward for that is that we are blessed to be fruitful. So please remember that. When you hear there's consequences, don't say, oh yeah, I don't want to do anything bad. No, I want to do something really good. I want to live in the life that, the, that God has given me through his spirit, and I want to obey him. I want to experience fruit. That's a very, very worthwhile goal in life. We read this about Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fr- fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring, his branches over the wall. Uh, the version I have here says he's a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine by a fountain, its branches run over the wall. I think that's a, a beautiful picture. Um, we can ask ourselves, how is it that Joseph is faithful? How is it that he is fruitful? Well, he's fruitful and he's faithful because God made him to be that way. Notice in this, Joseph isn't a weed, <laughs> he's a vine. He, he grows fruit, he has fruit because that's the way God created him to be. He's a vine. When we enter into Christ, we are new creations, we have a different source of life in us. And in this imagery, it says Joseph is a vine, he's a vine by the fountain, so it means that he has a source of life with him all the time. He's always connected to the water that allows him to have growth and life just as we are to be connected to God and he's his branches run over the wall for me that also means he's got the proper support system to grow and his support system is God and when we are connected with God and we're remade new in his image right that's what happens is the old is gone the new has come is that there's the possibility for real fruit to develop and what does that fruit look like Well, there's many different things that it could be, but you know what? Throughout Genesis, we've heard this phrase, be fruitful and multiply. So part of it is just the procreation. That's that's part of what this means in this context is, Joseph, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to have lots of descendants. So we we hear this in creation, be fruitful and multiply. We hear it spoken to, uh, to Abraham, be fruitful and multiply. We hear it spoken to Jacob, be uh, fruitful and multiply, have mighty nations. And in Psalm 105, 23 to 24, we read this. Then Israel entered Egypt, Jacob immigrated into the land of Ham, God gave his people lots of babies. This is the message. God gave his people lots of babies. Soon their numbers alarmed their foes. So it was just saying, I want you to have multiple children, and I want you to have a fruitful life, and I want your children to know me. I want the nations to be blessed through you by your children. So part of the promise through the blessing of Joseph is that Joseph would be the forefather of great people and he was people like Joshua people like Deborah people like Gideon these are all judges of Israel who would have been known across the known world at that time because of their role in Israel but there's a very interesting twist in chapter 49 since Genesis 37 Joseph has been the primary role uh, model the primary character that we focused on so now you'd think that well as we're nearing the end of this book wouldn't joseph still be that wouldn't joseph be the one that has the firstborn yes ephraim's that but for the future promises of god won't it come through joseph because he's been the one who's faithful nope surprise god does something different just like god not following what we think might make sense and he gives a blessing to a different son and he blesses judah 
And Judah is the one who is going to have the greater heritage, the greater descendants. It's through Judah that the royal line is going to continue. That's a little bit confusing because when I read about Judah in Genesis, he wasn't the best guy. He did a lot of things that were kind of wrong. He even slept with his daughter-in-law. Like, what, like some of these things just aren't making sense. But God has a plan. And God plans to bless Judah. And it says, Judah is like a lion's cub. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So, Judah is like a lion's cub. For me, that's sort of like, well, if God is the lion, you're his son. You're, you're going to have sons that reflect the heart of God, the king. And I think that because the next line says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. And that's the symbol of saying royalty is going to enter into your family line and it's not going to stop. Through you, there's going to be a dynasty that will last forever. And we first see it in King David, and then we see it in King Solomon, and ultimately we see it in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, we've got the full-grown lion. <laughs> we've got the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Revelation 5, verse 5, we read these words, Do not weep as you see the world being destroyed all around you, as you th see things crashing to an end. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's victorious. There's nothing that keeps God from having his way ultimately. He is always preeminent. He always has predetermined what will take place. He is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And he will rule as he deserves to rule someday. And we might wonder now, well, we don't really see that. <laughs> but God has his plan. He has his way. And the only reason he waits again is to say, I'm patient, I hold my bow, because I want everybody to come to repentance in me. But there will be a day when Christ comes again and that bow will be released and it will be like that and things will change. And we need to remember that we belong to the Lion of Judah and that his understanding of what fruitfulness is the most important thing. We can look at life and we can get all confused about what fruitfulness looks like. It can be my health, it can be my memories, it can be my possessions, but God says, no, there's something that's much more important for fruitfulness and it's this. May my kingdom come, may my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that means it starts in us. The greatest fruit that we have is having his Holy Spirit reside in us that we are new, and that we have that fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all those attributes of God, that's the fruit we have. And as God develops that fruit in us in beautiful ways, it is impossible when we're walking with God well to keep that from being seen by others. And that's how the kingdom expands. When people see God's life in us, they say, how is that possible? And then we need to have a reason for the hope that we have. We need to be ready to tell people about Jesus Christ so that they can know him as well. And that they can have the fruit of God in their life. I know our purpose as a church is this. It's to nurture followers of Jesus Christ through healthy relationships. This is the most important thing we have to do on this side of earth. 
Because that means that if that's going to happen, I am first of all in a healthy, intimate relationship with God myself. And the people that are closest with me are those brothers and sisters in Christ that I know I'm united with in the bond of the Spirit. And I know that we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for God. And God says, I have people I love who need to be reached. And I want them to see my life in you. There needs to be programs and plans, but what they need to see most is the Holy Spirit life in us. And that needs to be something, should be something that we joyfully express. And sometimes I just have to say, Lord, I don't feel that way today. Maybe I haven't even felt that way for a while. But I know what you did to Jacob. Jacob was 137 or 130, and he thought evil was all his days, and you did something miraculous in him, and you didn't even write about it in the Bible. You just showed evidence that something changed. Don't think for a moment that when you and I submit ourselves to God, that he can't change our perspective and our heart and our experience of his Holy Spirit. As we think about the coming year, in two weeks, you're going to hear different plans that we have for our church how we're going to go through the next months. Those are our plans, and I think there's many good plans, but they're human plans. There's a Jewish proverb I've often been reminded of, God, we make our plans and God laughs. But you know what God doesn't laugh at? Is his purpose. We know that we have a purpose together, and it's not just for us. It's for our neighbors. It's for those we love who don't yet know Christ. And we, as a church, have the wonderful privilege of being purposeful in how we live. Again, I praise God that Elaine shared her testimony. I pray that each of us gets the joy and the courage of wanting to share our own testimonies, no matter where it is, and to say, Lord, grow my story with you. And in that, I pray that God will grow his kingdom through our church. So when you hear areas that we offer you to get together, it is not to get together to just eat a meal or to have a cup of coffee. It's to get together so that with other Christians you can at least feel comfortable learning what it is to express the love that you have in God or the struggles you have with God, but somehow making God the focus so that in time it's just so natural for you to talk with your neighbors about God because that's who you enjoy most. But we can't do that if we don't have those experiences to learn from. So when you see our church give you an opportunity to connect, please keep that at, your, at the core of your mind is that we want you and we want ourselves to experience the love of Christ in those times, for him to be the core of what we do. I pray that we each have much joy this year seeking God together and that we will see his kingdom grow through us and in us. I'll pray as the worship team comes forward, but let's just thank the Lord together for today. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are, and I thank you for the amazing patience you have with me, with us, with our church. Lord, you are so gracious. You bless us continually. You say that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Father, please, Lord, help us to experience life in you more deeply because we are open to you, we are striving to know you, 
And may the action, Lord, that we have is to have a, a posture towards you saying, Lord, I want to receive your life today. I've already received your forgiveness. I'm a new creature in you, but I want to experience life in your Holy Spirit today deeper than yesterday. I want to open your word. I want to hear your, your words, your truth, your voice. I want it to go from my head to my heart, Lord. And only you can do that. My effort is to submit to you. Lord, have your way in me, have your way in us, have your way in this church. For the sake of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to respond to what Doug just shared with us, and we're going to respond singing a song that we haven't sung here in a while. Um, it's a song that I wrote a long, long time ago. In fact, uh, the board of the church at that time commissioned a song to be written uh, for the purchase to celebrate the purchase of the land that this building is, is sitting on. And, uh, and certainly this song came from that, but this song has never been only about that for me. Uh, this song is a declaration to make with my church family that God has given us everything in a new life. He has given us everything and he has also given us opportunity and keeps on giving us opportunity uh, in our sphere of influence, in the world around us, in our community, to point to who Jesus is, that his kingdom will grow and resound in and through us. And that's what this song is about. And let's stand and let's sing this uh, from the bottom of our hearts. Lord God, we give you all of our praise. You are indeed our purpose. And it is true. We declare together that it is true, that what a blessing is, is anything that brings us closer to you. And we recognize that it is our purpose to honor you with this life you've given us and to celebrate who you are and to declare who you are that others may also come to know the blessing of being closer to you too. And I pray that you would let your kingdom resound in us and through us for the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, our friend and our savior. And to him be all of the praise. Amen. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.